Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. The Grass is Always Greener, Part 2. A new sign went up at the bottom of Farmer Mary Hugh's driveway the following morning, and interested village folk were drawn to it. Gerald Mary Hugh's Intelligent Cow Farm, it read, crimson paint still slightly wet. What's all this then, Gerald? You been at the moonshine again? asked Mrs. Hegarty from down the village shop. This, the man replied, his sweeping arms encompassing his two fields, is a revolution. You wait and see, O oh ye unbelievers. Ah, tis just old Gerald beefing up his reputation, called a young wag, and with much hilarity the villagers began to disperse. The farmer just smiled, shook his head, and went to get his tools, his eyes shining with an almost religious fervour. Before the sun was halfway to the horizon, the cows were sharing their field with what amounted to a cow boot camp. When the milking was done as quickly as possible, the rest of his time was dedicated to moving the hefty beasts through their paces, over small tilting bridges, through areas that required ropes to be pulled and barriers lifted, on their way to the prize at the end, freedom into the ungrazed field. What followed were three fruitless weeks for the farmer. As his frustration mounted, Gerald realised that these cows were not possessed of the same brain power Brenda had exhibited, preferring instead to stand in the spaces between the obstacles, their eyes dull and disinterested. Not a single one showed that spark. It helped not a bit that the village children had taken to watching him from the fence and adding their own bit of advice. She's going to have to hoof it to get over that. That's not an injury. She's just milking it. One night, sat in his kitchen, consuming the last Brenda burger, he came to a conclusion. Training them would yield no results, and his hopes of breeding intelligence into the herd had died with Brenda. A phone call to his bank assured him that he had the funds for his next plan, and the following morning he put a call through to his nephew, Tristan. Family was not something Gerald had ever really had time for, but he was in occasional contact with his brother and, in turn, his nephew, who worked for FarmBio, the multinational pharmaceuticals giant. Calling Tristan at work was a fairly daunting prospect, but the ideas still fizzing in his brain spurred him on, and he endured the gales of laughter that greeted his proposal. You want to do what? the young man asked, once he'd finished laughing. I want to make my cows intelligent, the farmer said, enunciating each word carefully. Is it possible? There was silence, then Tristan's voice again. Possibly. It's not something I could just give you, though. The research guys are working on something that might be right for making mice brighter, but you'd have to be careful with it, and it'd be expensive. How much? The young man named a figure that, a month ago, would have caused Gerald's buttocks to clench instinctively, but now caused him no bother at all. I'll have the money wired to your account. I'm sure you can sort it out. And down went the phone. A month later, a long box was delivered, and the farmer's hands fairly shook as he carefully opened it on the dented kitchen table. Inside lay a syringe, packaged in an airtight plastic wrapper, and a tall bottle of clear liquid. A handwritten note lay on top. Dosage, 5 millilitres to subject once a day, to be injected subcutaneously. Do not overdose. Maths had never been his strong point, 
but Gerald knew that a cow was a damn sight bigger than a mouse, and he spent ten minutes scratching indecipherable calculations on the box lid. Eventually, he gave up, threw the package away, and took the bottle out to his cows. Jamming the syringe into the valve on the bottle, he drew out what looked like an eleventh of the liquid, then approached Frida. She completely ignored him as he injected her. You'll taste so good when this gets done with you, he muttered, patting her on the rump, then moved on to Justine. By the time he got to Diana, the bottle was empty. Ah well, he muttered to the unfortunate cow, maybe you'll serve as a comparison with the others. His sleep was restless the following night, dreams doing their best to attack him while he tossed and turned in sweat-soaked sheets. Finally, before dawn, he awoke, unable to contain his excitement any longer. Flicking the light switch failed to produce any light. Perhaps the electric was out. Gerald cursed and hurriedly dressed in the dark before stumbling downstairs and straight out into the pre-dawn greyness. The field was empty. Not empty of equipment. The cow boot camp had been broken down and moved to one side, but empty, in particular, of cows. The gates were closed, the fence unbroken, but the field was most definitely empty. His gaze went to the other field, a small moan escaping him. The milking shed stood alone in the field, a ramshackle wooden longhouse designed to hold all his cows in separate stalls while he relieved them of their milk. The door was ajar, and even as he watched, a cow nosed its way out and began to crop the grass. He vaulted the gate and ran into the field to check on the cow. The hope which had sprung up in him was quickly dashed as he realised this was Diana, the dumb cow. In frustration, he ground his teeth together and clenched his fist. A quiet sound from within the milking shed caused him to turn around, to gently pull the creaking door open and enter the dusty space within. It was dark inside. He flicked the light switch, but nothing happened. Frowning, Gerald recalled the lantern left from the pre-electricity days with some matches, and he began to fumble for it in the darkness, the door throwing a slanted rectangle of light onto the floor. As he ventured beyond the light, there was a crash as the door to the shed swung closed behind him, and then the snick of a lock closing. The darkness seemed to be all-encompassing, pressing against him like velvet. His fingers still scrabbled for the matches he knew must be hung on the wall, but slowly, like a mountain stream trickles through the rocks, the thought filtered into his mind that the milking shed did not have a lock. His hand raised blindly in front of him. Gerald felt the wooden wall ahead of him, then followed it into a corner. A small cardboard box rattled as he knocked into it, and he picked it up. A matchbox, the feel of the rough striking surface on its side reassuring him, and the tinny rattle of a single match. Swallowing the cold fear that was permeating his mind, Gerald brought the long match up in front of his face and tried to strike it. On the second attempt, the match caught and a wan circle of orange light was cast. Four pairs of eyes met him, black and shining with bovine intelligence. Flabby lips were pulled back from yellow teeth in surreal smiles. They moved slightly, their breath causing the small flame to flicker. Beyond them he saw other dark shapes standing around the squat square of his kitchen oven, the door open, his battered frying pan on the hob. One of the cows surrounding him leaned forward, and he shrank back, trying to bury himself in the corner. 
he heard the hiss of gas and the clicking of the electric lighter from his oven. The cow opened its mouth, its breath stale. Moo, it said, and, pursing its lips, blew the match out.